station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am Melissa, and I am not here with Tim this week because Tim is silly and he double booked himself. So I am here instead with, first of all, Lauren Haven. Hello. And John Euchre. Hi. Uh, both of whom are new to this podcast. And so, hello, 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 hello. Doctor, 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 doctor. Excellent. And so today we are watching A Hard Day's Night. So, John and Lauren. What do you know about Hard Day's Night? We'll start with Lauren. I know that I have never seen it. Awesome. And that is what qualifies me for this podcast. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do, do you know anything at all about the movie? I don't think I do. Okay, awesome. This is going to be fun. And John? Uh, I did see it years ago, mm-hmm. but it's been a while. So like, I remember bits and pieces of it. Okay. And it was the first Beatles movie uh, it, and it was directed by the uh, Richard Flesher. That's who did Superman three. So take that for what you yeah, want. Yeah, uh, Richard Lester. Lester. Yes. Yeah, Lester. That's two different Richards. I'm sorry. Yeah. Richard Lester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two and uh, yes, you are absolutely correct. And uh, it is a Beatles movie. It's the first Beatles film. It is goofy. It's fun. Um, a friend of mine, Pat Harrigan, every Christmas his annual Christmas party, and this has been going on for decades, uh, is the Hard Day's Night party, where they play a Hard Day's Night, and eat food, and it's a holiday party. But, Ooh. you know, many of my friends are of the opinion that it is the perfect holiday movie, which is why we're doing this in the m- month of December. Got it. Okay. So it's just this perfectly amicable, fun, kind of life-affirming, silly little movie. Huh. And um, its place in film history is that being the first Beatles movie and being that it was made in 1964, um, while the Beatles were already famous for their music, this is the film that made them icons. This is the film that um, established each of the personalities and, and, sure. and kind of uh, furthered them to becoming legends. And when you think about it, I mean, the, the Beatles are, you know, one of the most famous musical acts of all time. Mm-hmm. They were only operating for eight years. Yeah. Like, like they were, they, yeah. well, 10 years overall, but, you know, once they picked up Ringo Starr, from when they picked up Ringo Starr to when they disbanded, it was eight years, mm-hmm. which is astoundingly short given how mm-hmm. much influence they had right. on yeah. pop culture. But anyway, a, a large portion of that just iconography is from this movie, and it's super fun, so I, I uh, talked to Tim into doing this as one of our films. <laughs> so, and he's not here for And it. he's yeah, not here. He's Dang it, Tim! <laughs> so, uh, dear listeners, Heart Days Night is pretty easy to find. It is part of the Criterion Collection. Um, I believe it's on various streaming channels. Uh, I think it's on Hulu at the moment, it, or it might have moved, o- moved over to Filmstruck or something like that. So, uh, it should be easy to find. Please look it up, and we will go watch it, and we will be back after this brief interlude. It's been a hard day's night And I've been working like a dog It's been a hard day's night I should be sleeping like a lark But when I get home to you I find the things that you do Will make me feel alright you know And we are back so, <laughs> so many Beatles have run around and torn their suits and 
uh, made mischief and and many old men were declared clean. (laughs) Yes. He's so clean. He's so So clean. clean. (laughs) So Lauren, since you have never seen this before, what are your immediate impressions of this movie? So British. (laughs) Yes. Very British. So very British. So British. British. Like the humor is so dry Mm -hmm. and just so quirky and quick, Mm -hmm. which I like, you know, it's, it was enjoyable. Um, I've heard all the songs, so it's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I need to hear it twice in one movie. <gasps> yeah. But, you know, yeah. that's a personal choice, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this was, you know, given it was 1964 yeah. and, and uh, the Beatles were, you know, on a meteoric rise to yeah. ultra mm-hmm. fame, um, they were banking on everything yeah. that they had. Right, really. yeah. They were like, get it up there, like, we might not get to do this again, so let's... Sure. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, sure. Well, the whole story behind this this film in general is that United Artists uh, decided that, you know, if we make a movie with the Beatles, we could distribute the soundtrack <laughs> and yeah. make a bazillion dollars. And yeah. so they made this movie figuring they would lose money on, on it. This was a loss leader. They... Oh. they, they threw a tiny, tiny amount of budget towards it and said, Ed, guys, make something and then we'll distribute it and then we'll make a bazillion dollars on the soundtrack. Soundtrack. And so that's exactly what they did. But the thing is, it actually worked as a movie. So the budget was like $500,000, which isn't, you know, chump change back then. It's Mm -hmm. like a $3 million budget these days. But then on initial release, it made like, $8 $8 million in the first week. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is, percentage-wise, one of the most uh, profitable movies of wow. all time. There you sure. go. Yeah. So that that's kind of what this movie was. It's like, eh, here's some money. Go fart around and film it. And, right. And yeah. here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we got. And there it is. And so, uh, John, you have seen this before. I did. A while ago. Though. A while ago. I did. And it's as, as weird as I remember it. I remember it being having that kind of surreal episodic nature to it how there really yeah, isn't sure. there isn't like an, a, a traditional yeah. like through plot line. through line yeah. plot other than they're taping this show mm-hmm. and all the weird things that happened I of course remember Grandpa it's hard not to remember <laughs> Grandfather McCartney yes and his various schemes and yeah. that that actor was on Steptoe and Son mm-hmm. the inspiration for Sanford and Son so that was the the prototype Fred oh. Sanford we saw up there yeah uh, no, I did not so mm-hmm. And you know my my British sitcom knowledge was like every time an actor that I recognized from like some show. Yeah, pretty much everybody was a, a stock actor with the BBC. Yeah. Every time oh. one of them yeah. popped up and there, and I'm like, oh, that's that guy from uh, you know Gus. That's a monk guy. That's mm-hmm. you know. Oh, there's Quar- there's Quatermass. I mean, oh wow. Oh yeah, yeah. It, Quatermass shows well, and Wolfram Bramble, mm-hmm. who is the Steptoe and Stone guy, the, yeah. the clean grandfather. The clean grandfather. Uh, he uh, he was also in a couple of the Quatermass yeah. movies. In various various playing various the, drunks. If yeah, I remember because right. the other BBC like to use the same actors. Mm-hmm. Like today, it seems to be yeah. the same people over and over again. Yeah, I remember it. That I remember because I also watched Help for the first time, and I'm like. At the around the same time I said, I'm like, so help is more surreal, yet has more of a plot. It's strange. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was written by a guy named uh, Alan Owen, 
who actually was nominated for an Oscar for his script. Mm-hmm. But uh, for a script or for this script? For this script. Oh, okay. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> it's like wow. Who knew? It, 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 what happened in 1964? I don't know. Apparently but uh, not much. <laughs> yeah, really. But yeah. anyway, he, he, he actually got nominated for this script. But it's um, it's interesting that this movie has such an off-the-cuff quality <laughs> and yet is scripted. Yeah. And yet yeah. it feels like most yeah. of it's... Conversational. Just, yeah, that yeah. was something... It, it conversational or improvised. Right. Yeah, that was something yeah. about how it's... How he got... The yeah. Each one's sort of actual personality yeah. in their dial. It's like, I mean, I, it's, I don't know if he did spend time with them or not, but it. Oh, of, tons of it, actually. Yeah, it actually, yeah. That, I mean, it shows that he kind of got, okay, this is what John is like, this is what Paul is like, this mm-hmm. is what, you know, et cetera. And I don't know if Norm is based on Brian Epstein or not. I hope he isn't. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, yes, Epstein was a short man, but I. But that's another running gag along with clean grandpa. Stop being taller than me! Yes, <laughs> which I love. And that, and that damn sweater. Oh my god, that is the oh, world's that amazingest, oh, it just, most ugliest, that I want that sweater. Artistic director that, character. With, was so with the, with the stopwatch and the long yes. chain just and, and the black turtleneck just, sweater underneath. It's, it's like, a, was that a thing? It's a conspiracy against me. <laughs> I also just thought, like, at certain points, like, John and George switched from dress shirt and tied to turtleneck mm-hmm. and you can't really pinpoint when it happened like yeah. like like like, like it ran off like john ran off the train in the tie and all of a sudden they're in the cab and he's got a turtleneck mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're in the tv studio in george has a turtleneck and you're like all right but you go with it they're it, just handing it around right. it's fine you know it's they're passing the turtleneck <laughs> it's like it's passing a, the torch but it's it's, it's, it's yeah, a sisterhood it's of the traveling right. pants but with the turtleneck yes yeah yeah i like it I like this theory. Um, anyway, but going back to the the writer uh, Aaron Owen, he was a playwright at the time, if I remember right. But uh, the Beatles knew who he was through one, at least one of his plays, and so United Artists threw him at this movie, and go, they said, "Go do something." And so he followed them on tour for a little while, and kind of got the feel for their personalities, and then uh, tooled the script around them and. Sure. And mm-hmm. you know somehow inserted the, the trickster god of the grandpa and mm-hmm. and uh, you know because you you only should fun. you just should have trickster mm-hmm. grandpa in there mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Richard Lester was kind of a, mm-hmm. an amazing find for this movie because mm-hmm. he he also did things like uh, something funny happened on the way of the forum yep. Yep. the the film adaptation of that as well as you know superman 2 he did Help. uh some yeah. really goofy the running uh, jumping standing still movie oh, like yeah a little short with the the goon show guys mm-hmm. that's that i think it did win an oscar didn't it or it was at least nominated for like best shorts yeah i think so and he did the Three Musketeers, the Three Musketeers. In, in the seventies. Yeah, and and at least one of the sequels. Yeah, he did like the they yeah. did the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers at the same time. It was they're yeah. like one of those first franchises where they did the the for original and the sequel back to back at the same time so that they could be released in like, series. The, yeah, and it's cheaper to produce them because you're right. only doing uh, one uh, setup, right. pretty much. Which are also really good movies, by the way. Oh, if yeah. If you want to watch swashbuckling adventure movies and see Michael York and... <laughs> oh, God, you know, yeah. See Oliver Reed drink, you know, it's... Well, it, it's always in, yep. just enchanting to watch Oliver Reed drink, drink all the alcohol <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Christopher Lee being Christopher Lee. And yeah. Charlton Heston being the villain, I think. He's, he's, he's yeah. he originally in that one? I think so. Charlton Heston? Or is I'm that... taxing a, my memory on that one. Well, anyway. It's been a while. 
Yeah, it, it, Lester, it, Richard Lester's uh, had had a really long career, and he directed a little bit of everything. Yeah, British director. Um, so, but there there was just something like lightning in a bottle with the talent working on this movie mm-hmm. because it just got the this perfect encapsulation. By the way, the siren is for curfew. Uh, what? <laughs> I, Robinsdale has a curfew. Oh, nice! This, this uh, siren features like on all of my podcasts. Or at for some point. everybody? <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, teenagers. Okay, it's oh, like teenagers I... go home. Oh, siren. that's so my, weird. My, my You're mo- round. My, yeah. my mother's hometown. They, they used to do this like it was like at every like at nine, noon, and three, and maybe even at six. They would they would set off the siren to let you know what time of day it was. Yeah, because it's a small town, and what else are you gonna do? Okay, <laughs> but you're so close to this city. I know that seems like such like a it's so weird like a backwoods thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so the one time we we uh, do real education over here, of course, the siren goes off. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, sorry. <laughs> Just a little a little insight into the area with which we are recording right yeah. now. Robinsdale, Minnesota. <laughs> a surreal situation to go with the semi surreal. Uh, style of Richard Lester, the Beatle film. Indeed. And you wonder, would it have been, like you said, lightning in a bottle, would it have been what it was if they had gotten a different director? And a different writer. Different writer. Or even a different cinematographer who was, you know, the look of this film always strikes me because it is, the the black and white cinematography is so sharp and Mm -hmm. there's such a, an amazing way to how all the, um, the shots are framed. There's a certain playfulness to the cinematography as well, but there's um, very conscious decisions of like everything's framed in mirrors or in TV screens right. or you know literal frames of film. Or right. there's a, a certain uh, playfulness with the very um, the very medium that they're working in. And the guy who did the cinematography is a gentleman named Gil Taylor who filmed things like. Star Wars and Dr. Strangelove and uh, Flash Gordon. He did a lot of work with the Avengers, the TV series, the British TV series, okay. Emma Peel, John Steed. Not the Marvel movies, <clears throat> but but yeah, he he was um, he was around for a good long time. He started working in the silent era. He started working as a cinematographer in 1929, and he lived until just a couple years ago. He passed away in 2013 mm-hmm. at the age of 99. Wow. Yeah, so he his credits are, you know, <laughs> just go on forever because he was working in the British film industry forever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, this is one of his more striking yeah. pieces. And, just... and it's remarkable because they filmed it over a period of just a few days. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Literally, they were like, okay, we're starting in early April. You've got like five days to film this thing. Go, you know. Mm-hmm put you on a train for a little while and then uh, we'll film over here and then we've got this theater set aside and then they were just like racing all over mm-hmm. England and, you know, filming a few things here, filming sure. a few yep. things there. And and, uh, and who knows how much that <laughs> contributed to what they did that they were like, okay, we can't, you know, we can't dwell on anything. We have to... Yeah, just really crank it yeah. out. Yeah. And, I mean, certainly there were points where they were just farting around with the camera where, sure. you know, a lot there were some improvised things i think the bathtub thing was all improvised um i kind of love the bathtub thing yeah the bathtub feel quite dumb i think that i think the, i think the thing on the athletic field for camp by me love might have been or, yeah 
or not. That's, that's very. Oh, and speaking of the athletic field, it's like, ooh, Steadicam was a good invention, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were yeah, a rough, few man. times where, like, the camera was super jumbly, and I'm like, all right, I don't know what I'm looking at right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> but yeah. Like, is that Ringo? Sure. What's going on? Yeah, Steadicam was like 20 years away still at this point. So it was like, ooh, that's right. That's why they didn't move the camera much back yeah. in these days. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's it's just a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. an extended music video. And, Pretty much. But right. it's light. It's fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, people playing around. It's, you know, like I said, you know, perfect Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in, my, in, in, in my view, anyway. Um. Also, there's, of course, you know, being the Beatles, there's tons of trivia mm-hmm. around it. Like the um, the young lady who is in the, the luggage cage with them on the train, yeah. she was a woman named Patty Boyd. And, uh, you know, she was just one of the crowd in this movie. But during the movie, she met, uh, you know, of course, the Beatles, but, you know, particularly Georgia Harrison, who asked her out and she said no. <laughs> Yeah, but then he asked again. She had a boyfriend at the time, ah. something like that. But yeah, he asked again a couple times, and eventually she went out with him, and uh, they got married, and they were married for like 10, 11 years, something like that. Something like that. And then uh, they got divorced in the late seventies. Then she married Eric Clapton, and oh, yeah. they divorced after ten or eleven years. Something like that. And you know, she she got remarried again a couple years ago, but um, she's still around. Uh, the the movie uh, or the not the movie the uh, the song, the song something was written about her something's about her the song Layla was written about Layla's her, about her. <laughs> so I mean it she's yeah. got a particular amount yeah. of influence on pop culture yeah. which is just kind of her interesting. ex-husbands were both friends even after they were married to the same woman yeah, which is really, yeah you know like husbands-in-law I think is, a, yeah. is the phrase they used yeah I think so <laughs> uh, there's also Legend has it that uh, a very young Phil Collins is in the crowd at the end. Oh, mm-hmm. I've never been able to spot him. But I think, I think if I'm remembering right, he had he, a- he had said that he because he was complaining about the girls screaming because he wanted to hear the music. Oh, God. So, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> so he may or may not have been removed, or uh, or he's there but we don't see him. Or it, he was part of footage that got cut out. Exactly. Movie, or it, it's it's yeah. I mean it's he was there. We just. Can't, obviously, we can't see him because they're going to focus on all the girls going nuts. And well, yeah, because that's part of the phenomenon mm-hmm. of the Beatles was just this weird, well, Beatlemania. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, it was a force that had not really been seen that much before. Mm-hmm. You know, the force of teenage girls going amok. Yeah. <laughs> Ballistic. The the crowd that's chasing after the Beatles in the start of the movie was an actual just rampant crowd of Beatles fans, and uh, they oh, were just nice. filming filming them out in the wild. I want like Richard Attenborough narration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now Commentary. we see the teen girls yeah. stalking the Beatles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we see McCartney cleverly hiding behind a newspaper and a Van Dyke <laughs> from a <laughs> sitting next to his his grandfather. <laughs> he's very clean he's very clean very, very clean, clean. <laughs> and I, I love how they're playing with the fame of the Beatles too mm-hmm. with uh, Ringo going off on his own and buying a costume and, yeah mm-hmm. and, and testing it out on a woman because she tells him to get lost it's like alright or or um, 
the the whole exchange about uh, you don't look like him at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't look yeah. like him. Oh, 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 you look just like him. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, that's you're literally the first woman to ever have sold, said that to me. <laughs> I defended you. <laughs> you look like more like him than I do. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, further thoughts about the movie, or...? Since, uh, before I I saw this movie, I saw kind of stuff that was derived from a little bit like the Monkees TV show. Oh, yeah. And then The Ruddles. Oh, yeah. Which was Eric, and you didn't really realize how spot on those parodies are, especially The Ruddles, until you you watch this, and you're like, ooh, oh, okay, so they did, oh, so that's where that, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, okay, good job, Neil Ends, writing Ennis, or however it is, writing songs. Ennis, yeah. Does that sound like that? So that and it's like you said, it's just kind of a light little thing. It's enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like it's you know, it's got its funny moments and like Lauren said, it's British and dry and you know, you might in the running and the scream and it's it's like a kind of a like a somewhat of a time capsule of that moment. Yeah. Yeah. When they were you know, because this is like they're like just about there. They're like not quite at the they were quite at the the peak of it at the peak of it yeah. when they filmed it mm-hmm. but they're like just there they can s- like see it yeah and then you know and then like you watch like let it be which is when they're rolling down the other side of the mountain mm-hmm. and, and can't stand being in the same room with each other so it's kind of a it, it's it's fun it's, it's it's i had as much fun as i did when i watched it before so yeah it, i'm always struck by the chemistry that they have at yes. this point in time and and you know just that off the cuffness they they rattle off their lines you know just kind of perfectly in time with each other they're clearly working with each other they're they're not they're clearly not actors right. but um they they're just working off that chemistry so well right it's it's engaging to watch yes and yeah. um i will say it's interesting watching this movie you know like I have at least once a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because every time I watch, I catch more things because there's so many things that are just throwaways. Yeah. yeah. That things that are happening in the background or uh, <laughs> things that come right after a joke that like, this is the more noticeable joke, but then there's a little cap or a little scale sure. on it that you yes. don't necessarily notice it, was, it first. Uh, there was one scene where it was like, it was like uh, Norm was uh, complaining about Lennon, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're in the dressing room and one of Lennon's books was in the background on the shelf. Yeah. And I'm like, that... Oh my god, it, it is. is! It is. <laughs> I mean, it's not a spanner in the works. It's the other one. But mm-hmm. I looked at it like, oh wow! Yeah, I can't remember the titles of them. But it, yeah, they're just in-jokes everywhere. and Or, I mean, the, um, the whole joke of he's so clean is actually a reference to Steptoe and Son. Because mm. they're... They're junk dealers. They're junk dealers. Sure. <laughs> yeah. in, that, in that TV show. Mm-hmm. and But I mean, even beyond that, that... The, the thing that amazes me that um, for as much as it is a time capsule about this period of time, about a very specific pop group, oh, yeah. it still works on its own without yeah. much knowledge about it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So if, yeah. if you're coming into this entirely cold, like you may, might know a little bit about the Beatles, but right. nothing else. Mm-hmm. Right. It the jokes still work. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to have a, a library of knowledge about British right. television in order to right. understand the topical yeah. references. You, sure. You, you, you get there a big pop group and yeah. the humor is there and 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I could really see how this kind of added fuel to the fire for them as far as the Beatlemania, mm-hmm. because watching them, you're like, oh, they're so buddy-buddy. Oh, I could be friends with them, mm-hmm. too. You know, it makes them so relatable to see them in their element. And I mm-hmm. don't know. And, and yet seeing that kind of backstage element of they're being carted off day by day and it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. the series of hotel rooms and dinners and parties and, and, uh, and then, you know, kind of breaking out of it at the end because, you know, clearly they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're tricksters and they're, they're, right. ha- they want to get out and have right. fun. And so right. they just kind of wander off and <laughs> do, their, <laughs> do own their own thing, thing for a little bit, but then they come, come together and they make music at the end. So it's all okay. Sure. Yeah. Our TV director doesn't have an aneurysm or whatever. I want some milk and some, what was it, quaaludes or Valium or something? Yeah, something like that. It's like, ooh. Tranquilizers. You want, tranquilizers. You wanted yeah. a glass of milk and some tranquilizers. Which means quaaludes. Yeah, pretty like, much. You know, as we learned from Wolf of Wall Street, they, they're quite extraordinary from that uh, era of time. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Peter Sellers reciting Hard Day's Night lyrics as Richard III. At that. Oh, yes. <laughs> or... Well, Peter Sellers had kind of a a fascination with doing weird, weird covers of various songs. A lot of them Beatles songs, because one of my favorite ones was uh, he did uh, She Loves You as a conversation between, like, a Nazi and his assistant. <laughs> and <they're>, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And so it's the, the bad uh, German accent. Uh, and so she she said, she loves you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she loves you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I find it hysterically funny. <laughs> it's been a hard day's night. I have been walking like a duck. And... Yes. I should be sleeping like long. <laughs> anyway, it's it permeates culture, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, even the Spice Girls movie used this as a model when it, they yeah, eventually I mean, made the Spice pretty, Girls movie. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Pretty much every British group that was part of the British invasion had a movie. Yeah, I think I don't know if the, actually the Stones might not have, but there was a bunch of them. There was a Jerry and the Pacemakers had a movie. Yeah, yeah. The Hermits Hermits had a movie. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who. Well, there was just a lot of movies. There was a like on my late night cable watching during my insomniac days. There was some movie. It was called Pop Gear. That was like a documentary about groups, but it was like they weren't live performances. It was like in studio performances of these British bands, and they like filmed them doing wow. like two songs, except for the Beatles. Where they had to use TV footage of them mm-hmm. just because they were the Beatles. Yeah. But it was, and I'm just watching this. I'm like, I can't turn away from this for some reason. What's going on? Why am I watching this? But <laughs> I just thought it was just a fascinating thing to do that. And yeah, and and this and this is the ground zero of that whole oh, yeah. thing. There, there was really no model for what they were doing mm-hmm. here, and even beyond that. Um, there was a certain cinematic language set up in this movie. It's the, you know, the the chasing after interviews sort mm-hmm. of thing that there's a, a certain uh, poppy speed to how it's edited and, mm-hmm. and how everything is filmed that just really wasn't a thing before this mm-hmm. happened. And then after this, you know, of course, then the monkeys happen. And, yeah. <laughs> and it, it just kind of uh, they, bulldozes they, its way along. They, they made Head, which was... Not like this. Oh, head was a is an extraordinary and 
bonkers it's, thing. It's and it's written by Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yes, yes, that Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I mean, and he's he's in it for a little bit. Yeah, know. along with like Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa and Tony Basil, v- and uh, Victor Mature. Victor Mature. He's in, it's like there's like dandruff in his hair at one point. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's but so, that's the monkeys. That's the monkeys. <laughs> Well, then, if you've watched Magical Mystery Tour, then that's... that's yeah, that's also bonkers. That's, yeah, after this, the Beatles made four more movies, because there was Magical Mystery Tour, there was Help. There was Help, which was the same director. I yes. don't know if it was the same writer or not, but yeah, it was. It had... Sure. I don't, it was the same director, but like I said, it's it has an actual plot about, like, Ringo's ring makes him the sacrifice of a death cult. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's, it's why? It, yes. It's a chase movie, basically. Yep. As this death cult... Led by uh, Leo McCary, I think it's the actor, but it's like he's a British guy, but he's like talking with an Arab accent. But so basically, they're chasing Ringo and the and the rest of the band around the world because they want to kill Ringo because he can't get the <laughs> ring off. And it's like this giant thing, and then yeah, Magical Mystery Tour and uh, Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine, and Let It Be, Let It Be, yeah, and Yellow Submarine is. Bonkers. Insane. I watched that movie as a kid a few times, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> it, it, it takes on a whole new flavor when you watch it as an adult. It's like, "Oh, oh, oh this is this is uh, for getting high to." <laughs> really? Yeah, exactly. And this is exactly this what this movie is sober. for. Oh, I prep. Can I swear? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, there's a and then let it be, which is them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, like, eh, well, you, just make some dogs yeah, you're, off of it. Yeah, you, you, you kind of have a... Which one did they do that stars the Bee Gees? Oh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band oh, is God. one of the most spectacularly horrible movies of all <laughs> it, time. And I love it. I love it. It's it's one of those... At some point, we, I, I, I need to do that movie for this podcast that, because, oh my God, Sgt. <laughs> Pepper. I just, I, I... Watched that for the first time, and I'm like, "What am I watching?" Because then all of a sudden, it's like it's like the Bee Gees are the main characters, but they don't speak. It's the Bee Gees and, and Peter, Peter Frampton, Frampton because there weren't enough oh, yeah, Bee Gees right. to make to the Beatles. Make up the Beatles. Yeah, and yeah. then and then George Burns is there, and, <laughs> and, and, and Donald Pleasance, Donald Pleasance and, and Steve Martin, and, and Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper, who's dressed up to look like Frank Zappa for some reason. Yeah, because he has he has the handlebar mustache, and I'm like. Because when I first saw the movie, I thought it was Frank Zappa. Yeah, no. And then I'm like, no, that's Alice Cooper. What? Alice Cooper cosplaying Frank Zappa, and then Steve Martin happens. Yeah, Steve and... Ar- Aerosmith is the is it, the Lauren villain. is looking at us like we're insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not making this up. This oh, I believe this, you. Oh, this shit is real. <laughs> it's very, very real. So the, the Beatles had pretty much nothing to do with nope, that, that insanity. Nope. It's like, do you want to do what? Uh, nah. uh 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 uh. We're that, not going near that. So it's like, oh, okay. So we'll uh, just replace the Beatles with the Bee- uh, the Bee Gees. There aren't enough Bee Gees. Uh, Peter Frampton, put him in there too. Okay. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's the All Star sing along at the end. Yeah. Where, like there's all these famous people that are only in that scene. Yeah. And the the it, and and Earth Wind and Fire show up. Yeah, Earth Wind and Fire show up. <laughs> and, yeah, and everybody does. A cover of a Beatles song. Donald Pleasance does a cover of a Beatles song. I think he does She's So Heavy. Yes. Like, I want you. Yes. She's so heavy. Yeah. And, oh, George Burns, sing, George, George Burns singing Fixing a Hole. Yes. That's great. Yes. And then there are two robots that sing. Two robots that she's leaving home. Yes. <laughs> when, when, when Strawberry... 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the character Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields leaves home. Oh my god! To find, I know, right? To find to find the uh, the Henderson brothers who are from the song Mr. Kite, being with the brothers again, and then Peter Frampton plays Billy Shears, who was technically played by Ringo on the album. If you remember that, because they introduce Whoa. the one and only Billy yes. Shears, and then they go into a little help from my friends, which is sung by Ringo, and it's like, and the guy, there's like a another guy, Frankie Howard, who was a British actor. This was like his one American movie. Oh yeah, he played Mister Mustard, and yeah. he sang that song too. Yeah, and the guy who played Lurch in the Adams Family movies from the '90s is his sidekick, and it, it, I, it's, it's. That's a lot. It's bonkers. That's a it's, lot. <laughs> there, there's a lot of insanity. It, it is nonstop insanity. It, it never stops being entertaining. It, it just, is terrible and it's, glorious. It's entertaining in all the ways they didn't expect it to be or right. intend it. Right. And I, I just... Although I will say the Earth, Wind, and Fire yes. is legit. Earth, Wind, and Fire is well, maybe the Earth, best musical. Well, yeah. It's right? like... Yeah. And yeah. Oh, what are they... Like, They'll turn it on. Yeah, gotta get you into my life, I think, is, yeah. is what they say. Oh, and Aerosmith shows up. Oh, Aerosmith, yeah, Aerosmith. <laughs> How could I forget? Aerosmith. Aerosmith are the villain, technically. Yeah, they're, Aerosmith they're, is the villain. They're VFB, future villain band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and it's just, and they're wearing these weird brown what? shirts, and Steven so, Tyler just marches out with his... Yeah. <laughs> and he, and he you tell me he has the microphone with his, like... He does. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he gets into a fist fight with Peter Frampton. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Oh, it's beautiful. So, I, I suppose we're describing this to kind of set up a spectrum of what... Yes. <laughs> what, what this could have been. Yes. It, but but wasn't. But wasn't. And, and so we're very happy with... <laughs> right. Our base night. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> uh, another piece of trivia that popped into my head: the the club that uh, the grandfather goes to in the beginning, the yeah. casino where he, yeah. where he's screaming bingo. <laughs> that is the exact same club from Doctor No. That is where Sean Connery makes his first appearance as oh. James Bond. Yep, I yeah. just I I thought that was. I'm like that's the exact same. I mean, club. I, I, in my, same goddamn table. I <laughs> in my head, for some reason, I was thinking of. Them going, that's like of him introducing himself as Bond, James Bond. He yeah. didn't, obviously. Just be Bond, James Bond. Bingo. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, and another another bit. Um, since the you know the Liverpudlian accent is very very heavy. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, United Artists actually asked Richard Lester to dub the Beatles, do ADR over the Beatles, and give them more American voices oh. for the film and uh that didn't go over well <laughs> I, i'm <laughs> glad it didn't or rather uh richard lester responded to ua with uh, this is the quote i found look if we can understand a fucking cowboy talking texan they can understand us talking liverpool mm-hmm. yeah and here we are mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yep. so anyway that's um that's about what i what i've got um Final thoughts about the movie? We... I just thought it was enjoyable. It was All like right, a awesome. fun little... Just overall. Yeah, I could watch this every now and again. Mm. Also, Not like weekly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a lot yeah. to watch weekly. Yeah, especially <laughs> with the two, you know, the song being played twice. I think yeah. it would get old really take bad. Take some time and then, yeah. you know, and then, again, like you said, you'll maybe notice other mm-hmm. things, different mm-hmm. things in there. 
So, yeah. yeah. And John, any final thoughts? Uh, I just uh, like she said, it's a fun movie to watch. And then when you think about the other movies they made as a band, and then the each individual member's kind of forays into film, and like uh, oh, pardon, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney, give my regards to Broadstreet again. Don't just it. <laughs> don't go near there. And then uh, Lennon did uh, How I Won the War, which was actually a pretty good, yeah. funny movie. Mm-hmm. And then George produced like Life of Brian and Time Bandits. And yeah, he was he was an amazing film producer. He was. I mean, later just, in life, just, he he uh, he was he was head of Handmade Films, who mm-hmm. uh, basically funded Terry Gilliam post uh, Monty Python. And, it was just yeah. started because. Uh, the people who were going to back up Life of Brian backed out at the last minute and George yeah. was like, I want to see this movie so I'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. And he's in there for like, he's in the movie for like three seconds as the owner of Golgotha. Yeah. Like he owns, he owns the town. It's like, this is Mr. Papadopoulos. Hello. <laughs> that's, that's his only line. Of, and then uh-huh. he's in the Ruddles for a few seconds. Yep. Yep. And then of course Ringo made a whole bunch more mm-hmm. uh, movies very in quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, caveman notwithstanding. And, uh, he, oh God, caveman's atrocious. Uh, the Magic Christian with Peter Sellers and, again. And he was a children's TV show host for he many, was, many was. years. Mm-hmm. He was. Shining Time Station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for, as, uh, as much as Ringo was kind of left in the dust behind the, the fame of the other three, yeah. Yeah. I think he's had the steadiest career over the years. Pretty much. He's like the, I think if I remember right, like he had the first, he was the first one to have like top five singles as a solo artist. Yeah. Like he, or he had a whole bunch of them before the rest of the guys got going and worked on all of worked mm-hmm. on solo records for all mm-hmm. of them. And like hey, that's, that's my, my husband just walked in. Hi, oh, we're, we're podcasting. <laughs> oh, oh, you're podcasting? <laughs> Hi, Fess. Hi, the dog's outside. Yes, he is, okay. because he was being he was, he was doing things. Yeah, he's running around like all crazy like now. Well, uh, does he have the crazies? Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm glad he's out there instead of here. <laughs> you want me to leave him out there? <laughs> well, we're, we're just closing up. We'll, we'll take Okay. Up, so. <laughs> Thank you. For those of you wondering, they're referring to Max the Wonder Dog. Max the Wonder Dog is just running cute. around in the backyard. He's, crazy. he's very cute, but yeah. So air raid sirens, dogs, everything is happening. This, this is going to be everything's here. Yep, it's going to be an incredible episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so my final thought will be: um, we will return in a couple weeks with another episode. Uh, this time about Josie and the Pussycats. Oh Whoa! my god! Another so, music movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. We we've done a whole little series here because we uh, just did Purple Rain. We've got Hard oh. Day's Night. And now we've got Josie and the Pussycats. So we're nice. We're on. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of going on the spectrum here. It's like, ooh, Purple Rain, yes. Hard Day's Night, yes. Josie and the Pussycats. Mm. Better movie than I think most people give it credit yeah. for, Good. actually. As, as long as it's not like the, the, the cartoon where they were in outer space with the little furry thing. No. I don't know. You're talking about like the early aughts. Yep, yeah. exactly. It's that the, one, the, yeah. the with Rosario the, Dawson, Tara Reid, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly the best thing that Tara Reid has ever Possibly. Yeah. Well, it's well, quite likely. Well, she doesn't have a whole lot to go up against. That's true. Well, gonna, That's true. But... And she <laughs> well, and actually is kind of legitimately brilliant in Josie and the Pussycats. Well, so anyway. Concerning who she's playing, it's like, she was tailor-made for it. Yep, indeed. So, uh, dear <laughs> listeners, join us in a couple weeks for that. So, uh, in the meantime, I've been Melissa, and I've been joined by... Uh, John Euchre. Mm-hmm. And, and Lauren uh, Haven. And thank you very much. Have uh, ha- uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy uh, Things, Merry Kwanzaa, uh, whatever. whatever, whatever it is the pagans are celebrating right now. 
Happy Hard Day's Night. Happy Hard Day's Night. Happy Hard Day's Night. Solstice, uh, Joyous Ramadan, uh, Fish. Thank you. Yes. Band? <laughs> did they make a movie? <laughs> I, I, they probably did. Well, you should probably have that. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee, dee.